Welcome back to Coach on Your Shoulder. I'm Michael Hayward. In our last podcast, we were speaking with Helen Rawl of Connectedness Coaching. Helen's an HR leader who works with a lot of teams, both project teams and work groups, to help them find their way to good communications and great productivity. We're going to pick up the conversation here as we discuss five disciplines of coaching a team. It's an approach that she's adapted and put her unique spin on. So let's get started. Last session, we were talking about five core areas that you typically look at when you're working with a team. And we touched on them briefly, but I thought maybe we would spend a few minutes and really dig into each area that you look at. So do you want to walk us through step-by-step how you dig in when you're working with a team? Yes, I can. Absolutely. At the heart of it, obviously, first and foremost, with the person that's that is engaging with me as a team coach. We talk a little bit about contracting. What is truly the problem that we want to solve for? What at the end of the day is the result that the leader is looking for? And we start with an investigation. Basically, what I do is I want to talk to the team leader, especially if it's not the same person as the person that is engaging with me as a coach. I want to make sure that I get a sense of who they are, how they look at the perceived problem from the engager. I want to get a sense of how open they are to coaching as a tool to support them. Really get a good understanding of the lay of the land and make sure that I, as a coach, can actually work with the team to mm-hmm. deliver the results that are needed. But if that's the case, then really where I start is in the... We call it commissioning stage, but it's basically the starting phase, right? It's really around making sure the team is clear about what it's there to do. What is the organization expecting Mm -hmm. of them? Is the team um, set up correctly in order to deliver to that? So that would be the first phase that we look at. If the team still needs to be put into place, it's also around the selection of the team. So which players? are part of the team and are critical to deliver to what the team is supposed to do. So let me ask you a question about that Mm -hmm. team purpose or why they're together and why they have a coach. Mm -hmm. If you run across instances where there's just a big difference in the understanding of what the team is supposed to be and how they're supposed to work between the team sponsor and the people who are on the team and and the ones who think that they know what it is that they're supposed to be working on. Yeah, I think they're definitely is in terms of specifics. I think a big area of opportunity in organizations is really for teams to look at it from a bigger picture perspective. Teams think they are very clear on what they're to deliver to, however, sometimes forget to talk to their key stakeholders. And they might be expecting different things. It's basically going off of assumptions rather than validating what it truly is about. Okay. So do you wind up getting involved in the detailed discussion about what are we actually going to accomplish here? Or do you just identify for people you need to have that conversation? It is part of the discovery with the leader and with the team. It's really, what are we? Have we validated this with stakeholders? Where do we think that there's mixed messaging? Where do we feel that additional clarity is needed? So this is really a phase in 18 coaching process that the whole team is engaged in. And make sure that it is clear. Sometimes it is. Sometimes we spend very little time on it. Sometimes it turns out that there's quite some difference in perspective and opinion on what that should be like. 
And in the case where the team hasn't yet actually formed or being selected, what's the role of a coach in putting together a team? You're not from the company that you're working with. How do you participate as a coach in that selection process? There's mostly some support internally available for team leaders. Where I support is really thinking about the team composition. So do we need all people that have 20 plus year of experience? Do we need people that come from different industries? Do we need people that have different backgrounds, different educational perspectives? What does that look like? So what does the ideal mix look like in terms of the qualities that people bring to the table? And I, and I think this is a thing that, that more and more becomes a challenge or something new for leaders to think about. I think traditionally we look at role descriptions or job descriptions or the way that people present themselves. I think it's more and more about skills that they bring to the table. So how do you flesh that out? And how do you ensure that you have the right skills? Not necessarily dependent on what someone's previous job title was. Mm -hmm. Once you get the team together, you mentioned the second major area is around roles and accountabilities. So how do you get people aligned to what their accountability is going to be. And I think maybe I'm curious as much about what's the role of the coach versus the project or team leader? Yeah. In this phase, it is a lot about helping the leader set and understand the optimum uh, circumstances for their team to deliver. Oftentimes when you have a team, if you look at it from the perspective of an org chart, for instance, you have boxes and that's great and they have names in there and it seems like the pieces are covered. Where there's a lot of unclarity, I would almost say, is in the processes between them. Like who's responsible for what? If there is a handoff decided, what dependencies do they have? But also, how does the organizational context come into play? For instance, if you have a team with a shared purpose that collectively needs to contribute to reach that purpose, and reward systems in organizations. So their compensation structure, their bonus structure is based on individual performance. How might that play in to their ability to collaborate or not? And so a lot of times this is where it's more supporting the team leader to create their own clarity. And then from a team perspective, really laying it out. And usually it's about the interdependencies that's where I support. Okay. Do you have an example of a place where they put together a project team, but the organization really had, like you said, everybody had individual goals and nobody was really getting rewarded for their team activities? Yeah. In a project team that I was supporting, there's a focus on what was delivered versus how things were delivered. So basically their performance metrics were all based on what was accomplished. And that for this particular person was their delivery on reporting on time, all the details there. And in achieving that particular goal, they were depending on others to provide them information to actually filter into their reports that needed to be 100% accurate and then complete that on time. This person was so struggling because others that needed to complete their performance goals were based on entirely different metrics. 
and that was not dependent on them providing the information in a timely mm. manner to that person. So it was extremely frustrating because they were not set up for success and were not able to achieve their own targets to the point that they were almost ready to leave their job. Were you able to save that situation? Yes, I was actually. Oh, good. How did that happen? Yes. <laughs> right, eh? Yes. In this particular case, I worked with the leader to actually provide them insight into why was it so difficult to get others to deliver the information on time? Because it sounds so simple. Geez, just give me that information by Friday at noon and, and mm -hmm. we're all good. It was because there were competing priorities. And so mm -hmm. it was a matter of creating visibility for the leader, reprioritizing some work, and then the leader adjusting some of the performance goals for the other people. So that leads into the third area, which is around the interpersonal aspects of being on a team, right? And the dynamics that are at play, especially if you're on a project team, you may be thrown together with people you've never really worked directly with from different departments, yeah. people that you have to figure out how they operate at the same time, they have to hopefully pay attention to how you operate so that you can all work together. And sometimes that works naturally, but sometimes I'm suspecting it can be a, an impediment to getting a team off to a good start and actually getting things to start to happen on uh, a timeline. And it's often a place that we tackle quite quickly, especially with project teams where there's a group of people that all starts at the same time and that needs to be productive. It's different than an intact team where there's a new person or maybe two new people coming in, but there's a foundation of people that have been part and parcel of the team. So usually what we focus on is, is really our work with the team to generate some self-awareness around their communication styles, around their conflict resolution styles, around how they process tasks and get insight into themselves. With the idea that they then start to know and recognize and understand how others in their immediate team operate. So it could be very simple things from people that are generally more people focused versus people that are more focused on task. The people that are people focused, just a simple, hello, good morning, how are you? Before you start to talk about tasks can make a big difference in terms of their efficiency. So it's all about increasing communication efi efficiency at that point, knowing and understanding what's important, and then creating. And I've not found a word that I really like, to be honest, but it's like uh, team norms, team guidelines, anything around that. It's about how do we need to be together in order to deliver the best work that we can. Okay. Is this the moment uh, where you start thinking about an assessment? And if so, what are the assessments that you find work really well these days when you're trying to help a team uh, build up their momentum? From a team coaching perspective, there's usually two assessments or two types of assessments that I would use. One is the team coaching 360, and it's an assessment of their overall landscape. So also what external stakeholders expect of the team. And that particular assessment is either used like way in the beginning when I start to talk to a leader that feels something is not quite there and they want to assess what that is. And or when we start talking about the commissioning phase and really identify what overall stakeholders expect from them. But the other one is, yes, a psychometric assessment tool. I use a tool that's like a Myers-Briggs or Insights. I, I use a tool that's called Lumina and it does exactly that. 
it identifies people's personality styles in a lot of different areas. And not only that, not only their strengths that they bring to the table, but also what happens when they get overwhelmed, stressed, overextended, and how do they show up and how can they leverage their strengths to get back to their effective selves? You touched on it in that answer, but I always wonder, is it better to try to do the assessment right at the very beginning or should a team come together, get to know each other a little bit? and then start doing assessments to try to optimize how they're working together. My perspective is really, if you are looking to engage a team coach and or you know that you have a project that is mission critical to engage with a team coach right out the get-go, have a team coach be part of the trifecta of project leader, project manager, whose main accountability is not only to lead the project team, but very much so to deliver to the project milestones and project schedule. Mm -hmm. The change or communication person that is there to support those activities that help the team and their key stakeholders know and understand what's going on in the introduction of the project pieces to the organization. A team coach would be the third person there and really support in managing the relationships between the team members, as well as their stakeholders. As a coach, do you ride along with the team all the way from beginning to end of their project? Or is this more of a, an engagement at the beginning and you set them off on their happy way and they only check in with you once or twice as they get close to the end? Like how, what's the model look like most of the time? You know what? It actually is any and all. So I have been just specifically there to set the stage to help do a kickoff that sets the stage for them to be successful and a team leader being the one that leads the team go forward with the knowledge that they have from the kickoff. I've also been with teams where I am there on an ongoing basis. So that is coaching the team leader on an ongoing basis, potentially individual team members, but for sure coach the team as they go through the project and mm -hmm. the complexities throughout. And then I've also been brought in when things go off the rails and then help the team leader get the team back on track. What's an example of off the rails? What does a project look like or what does a team look like when they realize, oh, we need help. We need Helen and we need Helen now. An example would be a project team where the project leader left the project. And this was not necessarily a, a voluntary departure. Mm. And the team was in disarray. There was poor communication. People were undervalued. There was no collaboration. And in fact, there were a couple of team members that were on the verge of leaving the project and leaving the organization actually mm. entirely. And I was brought in by the the senior leader in this particular case, when they had identified a new project director and to support the new project director in engaging with the team and getting this team back on the rails as quickly as possible. That was probably an exciting moment. It, it was. And kudos to the new project director in that case as well, because they knew very much that they were stepping into a, a pretty difficult situation but they were open to, to getting the support and allowing me and trusting me to work with their team members and 
help them work through some frustrations from the past into a more productive and effective way of working. The fourth area that you mentioned when you're working with teams is around collective stakeholder management. And I think there's a lot in those three words. Yes. First of all, make sure we all have a common understanding of collective stakeholder management. What is that? And then how do you, you know, work with a team to help them manage their stakeholders effectively? Yeah. So it's really about three main strategies that teams use to uh, manage the stakeholders. And when I say stakeholders, like people that are dependent on either the team's output that have a vested interest in the delivery of the team overall. There are stakeholders that the team needs to connect with that are more team champions, so to speak. They need to make sure that those people are aware of what the team is doing and make sure that they support the team's profile, make sure that they are helping build the team's reputation. Where it's really important that they have effective working relationships, that they're reciprocal, that the stakeholders really know and understand what the value is that the team brings to them and that collaborating with the team makes them more successful than they could be on their own. And then I think the third part is really around the larger circle and discovering and making sure that they continue to be aware of what's happening in different groups, which could be customers, competitors, partners, investors, regulators in that wider environment that can create opportunities or threats for the team. That stakeholder management must be related to the project sponsor as well. So I'm guessing it includes things like alignment on communications, Correct. right? As well as probably some practical things like when a project team member has other duties and responsibilities, like we were talking about earlier, right? Individual yeah. goals and, yeah. and bonuses and so on that you are, you know, continuously managing their bosses in a way that they understand what commitments required to this project and how much time is available for all the other stuff so that they, they're not pulled into the situation of trying to run two full-time jobs at the same time. Exactly. And proactively identify where some of these challenges might, might arise, right? So that right. we ahead of the game as opposed to having to correct this after mm -hmm. the fact. The final area that you identified is around uh, the idea of collective learning. And this one fascinates me. I, I want to spend a minute on it because mm -hmm. there are multiple types of learning that are going to happen out of a team. And if you use the project team as an example, right, we pull together a multidisciplinary group of people. They've got a task. It might take a month or three months or six months or two years, right? But they're really brought together for the purpose of this identified thing that we want to do organizationally, yeah. install software, change a business process, launch a product. Correct. So those people come together and obviously at the beginning, you're investing time in helping them work together effectively. And that's where the coach comes in. And we talked about assessments and we talked about ways they would communicate. And then they get really good at working together just about the same time their project is finished and they're going to disband. Yes. So talk to me a little bit about the two parts of this. One is how the learning happens as a group and what a coach can do to facilitate or capture that so people recognize that they're learning. But I think maybe more importantly, what, if any, role can you have 
working with the organization long-term to say, don't lose what those people figured out. I appreciate this question very much, Michael, because it, it will be a little bit different for all types of project groups or intact teams. But the concept is really around how you work with a coach on an individual basis as well. Leaders that work with a coach tend to start using more coach-like approaches with mm -hmm. their teams and create different efficiencies and different learning that way. From a team perspective, the learning is in critical pieces around holding each other accountable. So what I mean by that, like in the beginning, if you talk about the norms that are set and the norms are when we're frustrated, we speak up and things are happening that people are frustrated and they're not speaking up. This is where I work with the team leader or with the team intact team. If I'm in a team meeting, notice that someone's frustrated, but not speaking up. That's my role to point it out and say, it feels like you're frustrated. What's going on? Holding people accountable to their roles. That's the learning that happens when you're in a team coaching engagement. And so the intent is always that the team starts to apply those learnings themselves throughout the process. So that's the part of the learning within the team. And there's no greater satisfaction for me as coach when I'm actually no longer needed to help point that out and people are learning on their own. In terms of organizational learning longer term, it can be a challenge, but it's really about people that have been on project teams, that have had the opportunity to work with a coach to continue to apply these things to their day-to-day -day practice. And this is where, do I have strong measurements around that? Uh, and, and no, but when I talk about why is it important to have a coach when you're changing approaches, when you're changing habits, it's because working with a coach helps you make it stick and helps you make it part of your day-to-day -day leadership practice, your day-to-day -day work routines, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to ask you a couple of conjectural questions here. They're not necessarily related to every time you coach a team or coach a team leader or coach a project sponsor. A lot of things in life require practice to get good at. And I would say that being an effective participant in a team or being an effective team leader requires practice. And I'm thinking here about the members of the team as much as of a team leader. If a person is on a cross-functional team, do they benefit in their skill development or in their career by repeating that process as often as possible? Or is it possible that a person only needs to be on a project team once or once every few years to really get the benefit of that from the point of view of their own personal or career development? It depends a little bit on obviously what the person wants to achieve from a learning perspective. But I think each and every time that you work on a team, just exposure to different people with different backgrounds is important, right? Like from a personality perspective, how do you deal with people that come from different angles, that look at things differently, that have different experiences, but also very practical? They have different functional experience. So they bring different practices, policies, tools, approaches that may be beneficial to look at. So I think every time you do, that makes a difference. So for me, from my perspective, I, I would say that just working on a project team once will give you some solid learning. I think it is your own personality that will enjoy stepping in and out of mm. situations. 
that will drive how much you learn from further experiences. Yeah. It's interesting how some people in organizations are good at being on teams and want to be on teams. And then there are others who would prefer never to do that. You know what? It's so true. I would always describe myself as a builder and I like the excitement of project teams. I like the diversity that it brings in an odd way. I like the stress sometimes of being under the gun of delivering to timelines or budgets. But there are people that are perfectly suited for those roles and, and, and they love that much more than uh, all the change that working on projects bring. Right. I, I do think there's value. If you've got somebody who really thrives in the project team environment, and that's good for your department, as well as for that person's development, go ahead and put them in as many teams as you can spare them for. I would agree. And I think it can just be really eye-opening for people just to be exposed yeah. to different perspectives. This has been great. I think the success of teams has a lot to do with how people plan for success, right? For their teams and for their projects. And I'm glad that more and more organizations are thinking proactively about getting an outside set of eyes, an objective set of eyes to be a coach. I wish there was more of that when I was growing up in business. We had to figure a lot of stuff out ourselves. I know. And it's one of those things, especially with project teams, I find is that project managers are the first to know that uh, the, the more solid time you spend upfront to plan it out, the more that will pay off in the end. But still, a lot of projects start by just, let's just get going, right? Thanks very much, Helen. That's terrific. You've been listening to Coach on Your Shoulder. I'm Michael Hayward. Coach on Your Shoulder is a weekly podcast that you can subscribe to at all the finest podcast outlets. Coach on Your Shoulder is co-produced by Melissa Simmons of Luminology. If you have questions about finding a coach or how you can get the most of a coaching relationship, drop us a line. We always love to hear from listeners like you.